teaching. Last week, we were talking about the dangers of emotional living. And, and how many of you know that if you are not careful, if you are governed by your emotions, you will do things that when you pause and think about it, they will be things that you would never have done if you'd have paused and thought about them. And so it was interesting on this week, the number of people who reached out to either me or to Pastor Sean about situations in their lives. And literally, some of them had made some decisions that if they had just been really, see, you can't come to church and hear the message and not hear the message. Because if you just come to church and you just hear it, but it doesn't get inside of you, when you go take the test, you can't pull up all the information. Let's just be honest. Anybody ever went into a testing situation, whether it was junior high, high school, college, whatever, and you thought you knew everything for that test? And then you took it? And you got your grade back? You ain't know it, did you? No, you ain't know it. You thought you knew it, but you didn't know it. And sometimes that's how we are with the word of God. I think because we hear it, we think we know it. But when the test comes, as my teacher, you say, we get those flagpoles. We get that F on the test. And I don't want you getting a flagpole in life. I don't want you getting flagpoles in life. And so as a result, I want to come back and I want to talk about, we talked about the dangers of emotional living. But today I want to talk about how do we master our emotions? Because if you learn to master your emotions, there are a lot of situations you don't even have to get into. And if you find yourself in one, if you learn to master your emotions, you can get yourself out of it without a whole bunch of trouble. And, 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 and many times, the reason this is so important is because you ever notice how easy it is to manage your emotions with people you don't hardly know? Somebody say something to you and you don't hardly know them, you're like, what's wrong with you? But if your spouse say the same thing to you, oh boy. I mean, it's like, it's, it's like, right, it's, right, it's all like Donkey Kong, right? And so we, we have to understand that the enemy typically is going to use someone close to us to test us where our emotions are concerned. And the Bible says to be not ignorant of Satan's devices. And so if I know that he's going to use Pastor Sean to try to get at me with my emotions, when I recognize the situation starting to go left, something inside of me has to say, oh, that's the enemy. Now, we have a physical way of doing that because we're human. I'm passionate and she passionate. You can't put two lit firecrackers in the room and one of them don't go off. So, so we have learned how to extinguish the fuse. So what happens is if we get into a situation where both of us are, are starting to get there, we, one of us will say to the other one, I am not your enemy. Now, it sounds, it sounds elementary, but what it does is it gives you a pause to say, wait a minute, we on the same team. So why are we acting like this toward each other? Because any time that a team starts to fight, that team's going to lose. I think Jay-Z said it a little more eloquently than that. Y'all missed that. Okay, okay, okay. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. Y'all hold it this morning. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Let me go back to my notes. Nobody wins when the team is fighting. When the family feuds, nobody's fighting. You got to, at some point, we got to get to the place where we go, wait a minute. You are on my team. You, we go to church together. You're on my team. We're we, we, we in the same organization. We're we on the same team. So I can't let my emotions get the best of me. So what I want to talk to you about this morning is how do we master our emotions, okay? How do we master them? And for some of you, I'm not joking, I'm just going to try to get you to managing today. We'll get to mastering later on. I want you to learn to manage your emotions because once you manage them, then you can master them, Amen. So learning to manage and ultimately master your emotions is critical if you want to be successful. If you want to be successful, you've got to learn to keep your cool when everybody else is losing theirs. If you want to learn to be the person who always comes out on top, you've got to learn how to master your emotions. 
Our entire lives are based on whether we can effectively control our feelings or whether we will be a people who allow our emotions to have control over us. It is true. You will either control your emotions or they will control you. There is no middle ground. In the same way that you either operate in fear or you operate in faith, there is no middle ground. Understanding this, our feelings and our thoughts spring from our souls. People say, well, how do I control my emotions? My emotions are just something that just, just comes up. No, they don't. They spring from your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And, and, and therefore, our success is based on how well we develop our souls. Pastor Shun does a lot of work with personal development. Every single person in the world should be working on personal development. Amen. Now, my personal development may look different than Brian's personal development. It may look different than Kedron's personal development. It may di look different than Ron's personal development. I don't know. What I know is everybody ought to not be satisfied with how you are right now. Amen. And if you think you have arrived, you need to work twice as hard. Everybody needs to be working on themselves. The problem is, is when you think you got it all together, you only begin to be focused on other people. Come on. You're focused on other people's actions, on other people's behaviors, on how other people do things. When in reality, a lot of times, the only, the only reason people respond to you the way they respond to you is because of you. Come on. I ain't gonna get no amens on that. No, the only reason people act, because have you ever noticed that you, you, you'll see somebody and, and, and they'll say, oh, and I'm in education, right? And so I have teachers say to me all the time, well, that kid, he just misbehaves in my class. And three other teachers be like, well, he don't even act like that in my class. Yeah, because he knows the relationship he has with you and the relationship he has with them. He's acting up because of you, not because of him. Because if it was really him, he acted up in all five of his classes. But he's just showing out in yours. Some folks just showing out with you. Because of you. And the problem is, is we don't ever want to look at us because looking at us is painful sometimes. But if we're going to be better at managing our emotions, we have to become our own critics. We have to be able to effectively criticize why we do what we do rather than justifying why we do what we do. Understand something, when we study the Bible and we let the word of God renew our minds, we learn a strong sense of something called self-control. Self-control. It's like people say all the time about self-esteem. And Pastor Sean laughs at me about this because, you know, whenever I hear people say self-esteem, I always get confused when they say they have low self-esteem. Because I'm like, if you have low self-esteem, since it comes from self, just turn it up. Wait, wait, what's the beginning word of that? Self-esteem. Where does it come from? So why do you let other people determine it? That's called other people esteem. That's other people esteem. But self-esteem comes from self. So if I realize my, my esteem is low, I simply turn my esteem up. So if my control is low, I have to turn my control up. If you abdicate and allow other people to control you, you're weak. If you, if, if you say, well, so-and-so made me mad. Well, I get mad when they do this. Well, they didn't do this, and I got mad, and they did that. You are weak for letting other people control you. It is called self, not other people control. Nobody, listen, look at your neighbor. I, look, I know y'all mad now, but look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, neighbor. Nobody, nobody makes you, makes you anything. anything. We don't let it. We, I don't make you mad. I don't make you sad. You choose it. And there is power in deciding that when you get mad, you chose it. Because if you chose to get mad, you can unchoose it. There is power. But if somebody made you mad, then you got to be mad until they unmake you mad. If they make you sad, you got to stay sad till they unmake you sad. You let somebody else control your emotions. You are weak and you are at their disposal. But if you take your power back and you say, nobody makes me mad, I chose to get mad. 
And because I chose to get mad, I realized it was a silly choice, so I'm undoing it. I ain't mad no more. And just like that, you can make the decision to change. Understand, self-control will help you learn to master your emotions. They will allow you to take charge, and they will allow you to rise to a level where other people can't get to. Because most people are animalistic in the sense that they are controlled by their emotions. Now, don't get me wrong, we all have emotions, and, and, and I know fear is bad, and sometimes fear in, in, in the sense that, not like I'm afraid because I'm going against God, but, 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 but like if a cobra came in here, I wouldn't want you to just go over there and pick it up, okay? I want you to have a reverence for the cobra, okay? I want you, if, if you ain't been trained in cobra wrangling, I want you to move out the way. And let's go get somebody who's trained to get the cobra. But so, so there, are, there, there, are, there are emotions that are designed to keep us safe. But if we are not careful, the same emotions designed to keep us safe will keep us in bondage. So we have to learn to master those emotions. There are several definitions for the word emotions. And according to Webster's Dictionary, the root source of this word is actually a Latin phrase. And the Latin phrase is ex mover. It is E-X-M-O-V-E-R-E, ex mover. And what it means is to literally move away. Now watch this. The word emotion, the root word, means to move away. I personally find that definition extremely interesting as I studied it out because that is exactly what our carnal, uncrucified emotions want to do. They want to move us away to, from God to follow them. Isn't that interesting? I was, I was riding on a plane and I was doing, doing some notes and writing and reading some stuff. And I was like, wait, so the root word of emotion is to move away. And so my emotions in their car, because your t- t- your neighbor say neighbor. neighbor. My, emotions my emotions are carnal. They are. Now, they, now you can make them subject to you, but your emotions don't come from the spirit realm. They're a result of your carnal nature. And so their root cause, the, 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 the reason that, that you have them in the earth, they are designed to move you. Now, you get to determine whether your emotions move you away from God or move you closer to God. But if you're not proficient in mastering your emotions, then they will do what they're naturally intended to do, which is to move you away from the will of God. In fact, this is the defeated one playing in our life. He understands that because we are born again, he can't touch us. What he can do, though, is cause us to live a hellish life while we're still here. So his job is to try to get us to live as defeated as possible because he knows ultimately he's already lost because we know Jesus. So the dictionary also says this about emotions. It describes it as a complex, usually strong, subjective response. A strong, subjective response involving physiological changes as a preparation for action. Now, 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 don't lose me. Think about this. It is a complex, strong, subjective response. The reason that you have an emotion is because it is designed to create a physiological change in you to prepare you for action. When you walk in a room and somebody goes, boo! Uh-huh, you see that? You see why you did this? Because your physiological response was designed to get you to either fight or flight. You didn't think about it. You didn't try to rationalize it. You didn't try to figure it out. It just happened. And that's the thing you got to understand about your emotions. If you don't learn to master them, they will make you just happen to do stuff. Your emotions will show up and you will cuss them out. You didn't know why you did it. You didn't think about it. You didn't plan it out. You just did it. Because it's an emotional response. But you don't have to be an emotional being always being moved by your emotions. Understand, emotions are not easy to explain. And as a result, we call them complex, which means that they are difficult to explain or to deal with. It doesn't mean it's impossible. Understand, I need you to, to hear me and understand this. There are times when the Holy Spirit is leading you to do something, right? And our emotions get involved. And when they do, most of us, if we're honest, we get all excited about doing what the Holy Spirit said. 
The emotional support helps us feel like God really wants us to do the particular thing we think God's asking us to do. In fact, we often perceive that emotional response to be confirmation of God's will for our life. Most people, if you figure, if you ask them, if God asks them to do something and they feel good about doing it, they're like, yeah, I believe this is, the, this, this is what God told me to do. But is it what God told you to do because he said it? Or is it what God told you to do because you feel it? Because if you don't master your emotions, then when God wants to move you in a direction that your emotions don't agree with, now do you still believe God? And for most people, we don't stop to think about it, but that's exactly what we do. God says do something. If we don't feel good about it, we justify why it ain't God. But the same voice you heard that told you to do it, when you felt good about it, you went ahead and did it. You are not being mastered by the word of God, but by your emotions. And the problem with being mastered by your emotions is that the enemy can change you like he can the wind on a sail in a ship. So you got to get to the place where you are not governed by emotion, but the word of God is enough for you. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God's word is enough for me. Now, I, I want to show you this because far too often as believers, we get so dependent upon emotional support of our feelings before we will obey God. I've been guilty of it. I've been guilty of it. I have been as a, as a born again, saved and sanctified, filled with, with the Holy Ghost, fire, baptized, speaking in, in two tongues, pastor, I have struggled with it. And look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, if you're honest, you have too. Yes, we have all struggled with God telling us to do something, but then our emotions going haywire, and so we end up believing our emotions more than we believe God. So hear me, if we lack understanding about the fickle nature of our emotions, then the defeated one will always use them or lack of them to keep us out of the will of God. Amen? I firmly believe that there is no person who will ever walk in God's will and ultimately in victory if they do not learn to master their emotions. Do you know that Jesus had to learn to master his emotions? The Bible says that when Jesus got ready to go to the cross, he asked the Lord, he said, if there be another way, if there's any other way, he said, let this bit of cup pass from me. But then what? He got hold of his emotions. He said, nevertheless, your will be done. And sometimes I'm not saying to you, you're not going to have an emotional response. I'm asking you how long you're going to stay in it. Come on. Yes. See, it's, it's not that you can't have an emotional response. It's not that you're not supposed to have an emotional response. The issue is that you ain't supposed to stay there and you certainly shouldn't make long term de decisions off of a short term emotion. I want you to see something. Look at Proverbs one and five. And then I want to show you something in the Bible, because what I want you to know is that your emotions can be controlled by the word of God. Say, my emotions, my emotions can, be can be controlled by the word of God. Word of God. You just got to believe God's word enough. Now look at Proverbs 1 and 5. Proverbs 1 and 5, it says this. It says, the wise also uh, will hear and increase their learning. Okay? So the wise is going to hear and increase their learning. I hope you wise this morning. It says, in the person of understanding will acquire wise counsel, watch this, and the skill to do what? To steer his course how? Wisely and what? Lead others in the truth. The reason I need you to learn to master your emotions is because there's some people in your family and in your circle that you need to teach this to. Do you know the one thing that I tell young pastors all the time? And I mean this. And we even had the conversation with Chris. You can't let other people's problems bring you down. Because as a pastor, you love people and you want to help them and you want to do all this stuff for them. But if you're not careful, their emotional roller coaster will roll over on you. And then you start to take on all their problems, all their issues, everything. And the truth is, for some folks, they really don't care about their emotional roller coaster. It's just what they used to. It's where they lived. And so now you're not careful. So now you got other people who are dumping on you. You got to get control of your emotions before you can help somebody get control of theirs. So he says, he says, the wise are going to hear 
and they're going to increase their learning. I believe that's you this morning. It says, and a person of understanding will acquire wise counsel and the skill to steer his own course wisely and to lead others in the truth. And, and if you do that, I believe that what you're going to see in your life is a total change. Understand, there are times when we are allowed to enjoy our emotions and the support they give us. I'm not telling you you can't. You ought to feel happy. You ought to feel love. You ought to feel joy. Those are good emotions. I'm simply saying to you that your emotions shouldn't be controlling how you feel. I really do struggle, and I've tried, but I struggle with people who come to work talking about they, got a, they had a bad day. What's your bad day got to do with saying hi to me? No, 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 I'm serious. I don't care how bad your morning is. I don't care how bad my morning is. If I walk in that door and I see you, I'm going to smile, I'm going to hug you. You ain't never going to know what's going on because it ain't my job to dump my crap on you. And I tell people that. How many people live by that? If they come to me and they're like, I got a bad, whoa. Hold on. Hold on. I ain't sleep with you last night. I don't know why you mad. I don't know what happened. I don't know where you didn't have no milk for your cereal, but I didn't do it. Say hi to me. Because if you're not careful, somebody can be, can be rude to you, and then now you're mad, now you're ruining other people, and negativity just spreads. So you've got to learn to control your emotions. You've got to learn how to put the pause button, amen? Acts 10.34. Acts 10.34 says this, and I love this. It says, God is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. Take your neighbor and say, neighbor. neighbor. If God... God showed others showed up. how to control their emotions, then I know he can show me. All right? Now, 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 now write this down, because I, I, I ain't got time to read all of it, but you need to write it down, put it in your notes, go back and study this. I want you to go to 1 Samuel, the first chapter. There are 18 verses there. We are not going to read all 18 verses. I am going to paraphrase for you what happened. And then I want us to get to verse 18 because I believe verse 18 is going to be an eye opener for you just like it was for me. Now, the Bible says in 1 Samuel that there was a man and that basically this man had two wives. One of his wives was named Hannah, and that's who we're going to focus on. He had two wives. One of his wives, not Hannah, had children. And the Bible says that literally every time they went to this festival, they went to this, this, this feast, that, that the man would take his two wives and his family with him. And the Bible says that he would take a bull and he would uh, prepare it to sacrifice. He would give some of the meat to both of his wives, but he gave the wife that he had the kids with more because she had kids. And the Bible says that this went on for a while and that what happened was the woman who had kids started taunting the woman who didn't. Now she already managed her emotions better than I would have because I might have put hands on her. But when I read the Bible, it doesn't say Hannah put hands on her. So that's already little. I already know the Lord is teaching her something. So the Bible says that this went on for a while, for a while. And then the Bible says that eventually it happened one day that, that, that Hannah was, was, was sad. And the Bible says, and I, I want to read, uh, read this uh, in, in, in about, maybe let's go to verse, uh, verse 8. In verse 8, Hannah was, 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 was upset and she was crying and her husband came to her. And in verse 8, it kind of says it like this. It says, Hannah, why are you crying? He says, why, why aren't you eating? Because the Bible says she was so sad she wouldn't even eat her food. He says, why are you downhearted just because you have no children? He says, don't you have me? Isn't that better than 10 sons? Ain't that just like a man? <laughs> <laughs> if it was better, I wouldn't be crying. <laughs> I love you. Now, the fact that Hannah didn't cuss him tells me that, hey, God's working on her emotions. See, when you read this story, there's a whole lot of things that show you that God's working on Hannah's emotions here. And so she's, she's, he says, you know, why, why are you upset? Don't you, you got me. Ain't that better than 10 sons? He's like, no. That's why I'm crying, because I want some kids. Verse number nine, it says, once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, it says, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli, who happened to be the priest during this time, uh, was sitting as his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Verse 10 says that Hannah was in deep anguish. Somebody say deep anguish. In other words, she had an ugly cry going on. She was crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord and she made this vow. She said, oh Lord of heaven's armies, if you would just look up on my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, 
Then I will give him back to you. She says he will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, a razor will never touch his head. Verse 12 says, as she was praying to the Lord, the priest who was Eli watched her. Now, seeing her lips moving, but not hearing a sound, he thought that maybe she had been drinking. So he goes over and he says to her, must you come in here drunk? Throw away your wine. And she says, oh, no, sir. Verse 15. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged. Somebody say very discouraged. She said, and so I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think that I am a wicked woman. I am not. For I have only been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. She says, I, I, I feel so, so bad. I ain't got no kids. This woman over here teasing me. My husband talking crazy about why, why, why I'm crying. And ain't, ain't he better than some kids? No, he ain't better than no kids. <laughs> I don't know about y'all. That's how I read the Bible. Verse 17 says, in that case, now watch this. Who was Eli? Y'all remember who Eli was? He was a priest. In other words, he was a man of God, right? It says, in that case, the man of God said to her, go in peace. What does the word peace mean? Watch this. Believe on God. You'll be. Believe on his prophet and you shall. What did she want to prosper in? Now watch this. Verse 17 is amazing. It says, in that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you your request you have asked of him. Now, that's all he said. Look at verse 18. She says, what? Oh, thank you, sir. I'm going to have a different translation. It says, then she went back and began to eat. But watch this last part. And she was no longer sad. Wait, didn't we read she was in great anguish? Didn't we read she had an ugly cry? Didn't we read she was ticked off at her husband for asking that dumb question? Didn't we read all that stuff? And, and all he said to her was, go in peace. May the Lord of Israel grant you the request that you have asked. Bible says she got an appetite back. Just like that. Off a word, she got an appetite back. Some of y'all going to get this. Off a word, the Bible, she, she basically conceived right there. Off of a she got such a word that she believed it that one moment she was crying, the next minute said she wasn't sad no more. Yeah. I'm telling you, this going to be your best year yet. Yeah. Some of y'all who walked in here sad, if you believe on God, you'd be established. And if you believe what I'm telling you, you would prosper just like Hannah because God is no respecter of persons. She managed her emotion. It was her emotions. Her emotions had got the best of her. Her emotions were wearing her out. Her emotions had her crying in the temple. Her emotions had her going back every year. Listen, when they left from there, she was dreading for 365 days. The next day she was going to have to show up. The Bible says she was crying. She had anguish in her life. She had sorrow. She was mumbling such that the man of God thought she was drunk. Ooh, but once she said, oh, I ain't drunk. I'm just pouring my heart out to God. Step number one. Some of y'all to just tell God what you want. Some of y'all to just be honest and tell God what you want. I don't want to ask God for that. He already knows. I said to God, God, I want to be married to her, but I don't want to be married to her if we're going to fight all the time. Fix it. Yeah. That's what you want. He said, that's what you want? Well, let's fix it. And he fixed it. God, I'm sick and tired of always having to wonder about when payday going to be. He said, well, then just get enough money. You don't have to ask about it. Ask me for it. So now I don't know when I get paid. I was, I was, I was laughing the other day because, I, I, you know, I checked my account because, funny story, I was in Louisiana and, um, I spent the night at a hotel. I got there pretty late. Woke up the next morning, was getting all my stuff together. And I'm kind of a systematic person, so I have a way of doing things so I don't leave stuff. I'm a pretty systematic person. 
But the phone rang. It was one of my consultants. He said, hey, I'm downstairs. Uh, I'm ready to pick you up. I said, what time is it? She said, oh, it's 7.30. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I lost track of time. I'll be right down. I had my wallet in my pocket, but I don't put my wallet in my pocket until I leave. It's the last thing I do. But I hadn't cut the light on over by the desk where I put my wallet all the time. So I got up, got all my stuff, got my bag, got with her, and we drove six hours down to another parish. Four and a half hours into the trip, I got a phone call. Dr. Strickland, you left your wallet. No, I didn't. Take my wallet. I had left my wallet in the hotel. Now, praise the Lord. They, didn't, they could have just took the stuff. They could have took it, but they didn't. But I'm in Terrebonne Parish, which is south of New Orleans, kind of east and south of, of New Orleans. I don't have a credit card. I don't have an ID. I'm, I'm hobo style. I ain't got nothing. So I tell my consultant, I said, well, basically, you know, you got, you got to take care of me this trip. You got to pay for my food. <laughs> you got to give me a hotel room because I can't check in without no ID. Now, she knew she was going to get paid back. She took care of it, right? But my whole point in saying all that is sometimes you get yourself in situations where you are destitute without and all you can do is depend on God. Now, here's the thing. But if you know anything about me, you know that I almost went into worry mode. Because I'm like, first of all, I don't care if they take the little money out of my wallet, but I need my credit cards now. My social security card in there. My kids, I don't need no ID fraud. Somebody trying to get credit card stuff in my name. Now, my mind is racing. Forget Terrebonne Parish. <laughs> Them kids will be all right. <laughs> uh, that's all I can think about. That's all I can think about is my wallet. And the Lord said, you just preached a message about controlling your emotions. He said, now the same God who allowed them to have a worthy heart to call you about it is the same God who will keep anything from happening to you. Yes. And it was my opportunity to shift. And I shifted just like that. And four hours later, the devil said, they're going to call, they're going to get your stuff. And I had to shift again. <laughs> Because just because you shift one time don't mean the enemy ain't gonna show me. I know I'm talking right now. And so every time he tried to convince me that somebody was gonna do something, I had to shift again. And I just kept shifting until I got back on Thursday and got my wallet and put my fraud protection on. <laughs> you gotta learn how to manage your emotions. Because if I didn't manage my emotion, I couldn't have done the job that I went all the way down there to do. And the problem is that sometimes you'll be on assignment from God and something will happen and your emotions will get the best of you. And then you miss out on what God sent you to do because you're worried about your emotions. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, if God got you, God got you. Amen. Amen. Understand, exerting our God-given authority over our emotions empowers us to succeed the way he wants us to exceed. When I read that story about Hannah, Hannah instantly changed. She instantly changed. The Bible in one translation says her countenance changed. It says that literally she wasn't, her face, she got an appetite back. Because how many know when you say that you can't eat? You can't. Listen, the quickest way to lose some weight is to have a breakup. Okay. I mean, I, you know, it may not be for everybody. But listen, you find somebody and they don't got their heart broke, they're they going to lose a dress size. They're going to lose a pants size. It's guaranteed. Why? Because they don't have no appetite. They can't eat. They can't eat. Folks be like, oh, you're looking so good. you like, I ain't got no appetite. I'm sad. I'm sad. I, I laugh because Pastor as long as I have known her, that has never been her testimony. We can have the biggest fight. And she be like, <laughs> I ain't lying to you. I ain't lying to you. Make me so mad. We have a, we have a big fight. And, and, and we, we mad. She's like, oh, you want to go eat? No, go eat. <laughs> I can't eat. I ain't got no appetite. I'm mad. <laughs> Listen, you got to learn to manage your emotions. Amen. Listen, our feelings can either bring us to success or bring us to failure. The Bible talks about it in 3 John 1 and 2. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, 
even as your soul prospers. The Amplified Version says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way and that your body may keep well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. See, there's a connection about keeping your emotional self intact that helps keeping your physical self intact. If your emotions are always running haywire, if you're always under stress, if you're always feeling pressure, if you don't know how to give that stuff to God, it can cause physical ailments in your body. So there, there are people who suffer from arthritis just because they won't forgive folk. There are folk, folks who got high blood pressure simply because you won't say, you know what, God, you can have this. I can't handle it. Why make yourself sick over something you can't control? I truly, I tell you, this is the honest truth. I live by the motto. I, I, I focus on what I control and those things I can't, I don't worry about. If I, can't, if I cannot control it, then why worry about it? Because it just makes you feel so inferior because you're trying to worry about something that's outside of your control. It's the reason that I can love people even when I see them going down the wrong path. I want to love you. I want to teach you. I want you to do the right thing. But if you choose to just keep doing the wrong thing, I can love you and wave at you as you're going down that path. Because I cannot be more focused on your well-being than you are. I just can't. I, as much as I love you as partners of this ministry, I'm like, if we teach. And, and, and here's the thing. Pastor Sean and I don't have some book that we go, okay, we know what we're going to preach in June. I have no idea. Sometimes we don't even know who's going to preach, let alone what we're going to preach. We're hearing God every single day about what, the, what is the word he wants to give to this house. But if you don't make yourself available to hear that word, and I ain't even talking about being here every Sunday. I know people got things to do. I get that. But volleyball, track, uh, sports, I, I want you to be with your family. And sometimes you just need a break. I get that too. Pastor Sean and I was debating whether we were going to come this morning. <laughs> and she wasn't but I actually said to her I said we should do them like they do us and just not show up sometimes <laughs> she said you can't do that you can't do that <laughs> that's right that's right and take a picture and post it <laughs> enjoy my Sunday alright 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 all right. <laughs> I, I want you to enjoy your Sunday <laughs> I want you to enjoy your Sunday. But my point is, is that there are times, though, that you get to the place and you're like, you know what? In order to control my emotions, I have to make a conscious decision about this thing. And I can't allow somebody else choosing not to hear the word to just bring me down. I'm living a good life. This is going to be my best year ever. So I can't get involved with a bunch of people who aren't trying to live their best life to pull me down from living my best life. I'm looking for the folk who like, Pastor, I want to live my best life. I'm like, yeah, you and you and you. We're going to rock together then. Amen? So take care of your emotional self so it takes care of your physical self. Amen? Understand, God's will for us is to be successful in every way at every level. Our soul, specifically our emotion, is the key to this type of success. The Bible says this in Hebrews 4 and 15. I'm going to give you some word this morning. You can just kind of write them down because I'm going to go a little faster. The Bible says this in Hebrews 4, 15. Because I want to saturate you with the word because the word is what's going to cause you to change. That's what caused Hannah to change instantly. It was just the word. It wasn't even scripture. All the man said was go in peace. And may the Lord grant you the request that you ask. Watch this. Go in peace. And may the Lord grant each and every one of you the request that you have asked. Now, your countenance ought to change just like Hannah's did. The word is what makes you change, amen? And so Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin, amen? In other words, here's what he says. He says, listen, you and I have a high priest in Jesus Christ, and our high priest understands what we're going through. Because he came and went through the same temptations multiplied that we have to go through, yet he did it without sin. And if God be for you, then he is more than against you. And the same God that, is, that, that, that was with Jesus is the same God that's with us. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor my, emotions my emotions do not, do not have, to cause me have to cause me to sin. To sin. That's right. That's right. That's right. I can have my emotions. I can be mad. I can be angry. I can be upset. I can be sorrowful, but I don't have to sin in the process. 
But if you hang out there in those spaces long enough, they will make you sin. Even Jesus had emotions, but he refused to let them master him. Never once did he allow his feelings to lead him into sin. All sin, write this down, all sin is conceived in emotion. No, I want you to hear that. All sin is conceived in emotion. You think of a sin that can be done and tell me and show me it's void of emotion. Every sin you commit it is birth in emotion. And if you learn how to master your emotions, you'll learn how to master sin. Jesus had emotions, but he maintained control over them. And we have the same authority that he has. Amen. Look at Mark chapter 14, verse 33 through 35. You can just write it down. Mark 14, 33 through 35. I'll even include these notes in the, in the uh, Facebook inbox group. So you can have the, the actual notes if you just want to listen. Mark 14, 33 through 35 says, and he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sad. Well, let me go. Let me start at verse one. It says, and he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be struck with terror and amazement and deeply troubled and depressed. And this is Jesus. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly what? Sad, grieved, overwhelmed with grief so that it almost kills me. Now, some of y'all have been sad, but I don't know if you've been that sad. It says, remain here and keep awake and be watching and going a little further he fell on the ground and he kept praying that if it were possible that the fatal hour might pass him now notice Jesus had an emotional situation going on in his life but when he had an emotional situation notice what he did he got together with some other people and asked them to pray See, some of us, when we have emotional outbreaks, what we do is we get with other people and talk about the emotional outbreak. But Jesus didn't do Now, Jesus is our example. Jesus says, yo, this thing about to kill me. I feel, I, I, I feel like this is, this is such sorrow. I, I'm overcome with so much grief. I don't know how I'm going to make it. He said, come here. Y'all stay here and do what? Pray. He said, not, not talk about what it is. Don't rehash it. Don't, don't, don't grow, go through it and, and woe is me. He said, y'all stay here and pray. I'm going to go on a little further and get myself together. And what you need is you need people in your life who you can contact and you can talk to and you can say, listen, here is what I'm feeling. I know it ain't right, but I need you to pray for me while I go over here and shut my mouth and get myself together. The problem is sometimes, and what you don't understand, is whatever you talk about creates an emotional response. That's the reason doing worship, we actually ask you to open your mouth and to say something because it creates an emotional response. Your emotions drive you. We understand that. So if I can get you to open your mouth and doing worship and it'll drive you closer to God, then when you get to God, then you'll have an experience. Well, the same thing is true if you keep telling a painful story over and over again. They ain't hired me. Okay, you didn't get the job. I'm sorry. Now I don't know what else we got to say. Because me just patting you on the back and saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They ain't going to make them call you and give you the job. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a funny story. It's a funny, funny story. One, 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 one of Pastor Sean's most prolific understandings of this moment. How old were you? 14 or 15. She was 14 or 15 years old. She tried out to be a what, a drum major? She wanted to be a drum major. She had practiced down there in Fort Ives, Arkansas. <laughs> she wanted to be a drum major. And you didn't make it, did you? You didn't make it. You came home, and what happened? You was crying, boo-hoo crying. Have you ever wanted something so bad and then you didn't get it? It made you feel like you just wasn't even worth nothing? That's how, I'm sure that's how that must have felt. And, then, and, 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 and you kept crying, and then, and then what, your, what, your, what, a, what a microphone at? Tell them what your grandma said, though, because this is one of my favorite Miss Yola Johnson stories. I got time. So in my family, my grandmama, she... Stand up and look at the people. I want people to see your face. When you <laughs> it is one of my favorite stories. Okay, so I wanted to be drum major. I had practiced really hard. They didn't pick me. And so in my family, my grandma make a cake whether you win or whether you lose. So she was making a pound cake. She didn't know whether I won or lost. She just knew I was going to need some cake, right? And so I came in. I was broke down crying. It's so unfair. I can't believe this happened to me. My grandmother stops what she's doing. She says to me, she says, 
do you care enough to start practicing tomorrow so they can't deny you tomorrow? I mean, next year. Or are you just sad that you didn't get it? And she cut me a piece of cake and put some homemade ice cream on it and slid it over there to me. She said, because when you get through, you still ain't going to be drum major. <laughs> that cake you can try it don't matter when you get done they still didn't pick you and in life you got to be like that sometimes control your emotions they didn't pick you for this they didn't pick you for that they didn't pick you for that they didn't choose you but at the end of the day what are you going to do about it well lord you told me if i did it okay but you didn't get it so now what you going to do about it and so I, I love that story because it illustrates the point that you got to learn to control your emotions. Now, the truth of the matter is she could have laid in that and it may not have just been a drum major defeat. Everything she approached after that would have been an effect of that drum major defeat. And the problem for many people is you're not failing one time, you're failing multiple times because of one fail. Your, your tenth fail didn't have anything to do with that tenth one. It's because the, the, the first fail of you showed up. You're still talking about that and you show up over here. And if you don't learn to get control of your emotions, then, then everywhere you go, there you will be. And so you got to learn to control your emotions. When we feel negative emotions, we must not change our course. Negative emotions don't mean that we're going in the wrong direction. We must keep going forward and doing what God has called us to do. We must also continue praying because this keeps us focused on what God has told us. The Bible says in Isaiah 26 and 3, it says that thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee and because he trusts in thee. God says that when you are doing things that I have told you to be, if your focus is on me, I will keep you at peace. That doesn't mean that things won't come to try to shake you. But where is your focus? One of my favorite stories in the Bible is when Jesus got ready to heal this young man. And the Bible says when Jesus got ready to heal the young man, he called the demon out. And when he called the demon out, the Bible says that the young man, the demon took the young man and threw him on the ground. And he started just rolling around and foaming at the mouth. Well, why did he do that? He was trying to make Jesus back up off of what Jesus had said. So some of y'all, y'all like this. Y'all like, you know what? Well, Pastor Edwin says it's going to get better. It ain't got better. And it's already been 22 minutes. Listen, you got to have some fortitude, some fortitude. that says, okay, I believe my man of God said this is going to be my best year yet. Every day, that's all I'm believing. I don't care what happens. I don't care what I'm going through. I don't care what I have to face. I receive the word. I am declaring that this is the best year of my life. If January wasn't like that, I'm looking forward to February. If February ain't like that, I believe it's coming in March. But I don't care what the world throws at me. I'm not backing up off of what my man of God said. And you just got to get that way. You just got to get that way. You, you, y'all wasn't here this morning. Y'all got to walk up in here like Cordell did this morning. <laughs> Y'all wasn't here. And I ain't trying to, but, but he walked up in here like he owned the place. I thought to myself, that's how we got to walk in the kingdom. You got to know, you got to know that you, you got to know that when God has promised you something, it's yours. Say it's mine. Everything God has promised you is yours. Understand, wherever our minds go, our emotions are going to follow. Wherever our mind go, our emotions are going to follow. Negative circumstances should not control our emotions. We can still have peace and joy even when bad things happen. When Shonda was praying this morning, that's one of the things she said. She said, God, we're going to praise you in the good. We're going to praise you in the bad. We're going to praise you whether it's, whether it's dark out. We're going to praise you whether we're in the valley. We're going to praise you no matter what because you are worthy to be praised. And watch this. You confuse hell when you give God praise when all hell is going on around you. The problem for most people is we respond based on the circumstance. If things seem good, then we're happy. If things seem bad, then we're sad. We cannot be fickle about our emotions, amen? We have to learn how to manage our emotions. Now, I want you to see something real quick in Deuteronomy 28, 45 through 48. Deuteronomy 40, 28. Now, notice this, I, and I really want you to see something in the middle here. I may be reading out of this translation, but here it says, Moreover, all these curses shall come upon you. Maybe I'm going to write the same one. Yeah. And shall pursue thee and overtake thee. Now watch this. Till thou be destroyed because. Now, now whenever you see because, it's going to clarify to you why something's happening. 
He says, because thou did what? Hearkenest not unto what? The voice of God. He says, to do what? To keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded thee. Next verse. It says, and they shall be upon thee, the curses, for a sign and for a wonder, and upon your seed forever. He then says this, because thou servest not the Lord thy God. Watch this. He said, you didn't serve him, not that you didn't work for him, but you didn't serve him with now those are emotions he said these curses are going to come up on you because I'm judging you because I'm judging you because you didn't do what you were supposed to do with the right emotion attached to it the Lord says get up and pray I'm going to pray five o'clock in the morning well you pray but what did that do because it didn't have any joyfulness with it. It didn't have no what? Gladness of heart. He says, for the abundance of all things. Next verse. He says, therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee in the hunger, and in thirst, and in nakedness, and in one of all things. And he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until he has destroyed you. Now watch this. The Bible says, go back one more verse. Go, go back to where we were. He says, all this happened, why? Because thou didn't serve the Lord thy God with what? Joyfulness. So God gave us emotions as a way to serve God, not to pull us away from God. So when I manage my emotions appropriately, what they do is they pull me closer to God, not away from God. Amen? The Bible says in John 14 and 1, it says, let not your heart be troubled. It says, you believe in God, believe also in me. This implies that we have authority over our emotions. We can choose to have peace in times of trouble. Say, I declare, I declare that, I that I choose to have peace, to have peace in, times in times of trouble. Of trouble. Amen. I, you, you, can, you can make that choice. You can choose to do that. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 30 and 19, he says, I call heaven and earth to record this day or record this day against you that I have said before you life and what? Blessings and what? He says, therefore, in case you don't know, choose life. Why? So that both thy seed and you will live. He says, I'm telling you which one to pick. It's like you ever seen somebody play that game where they got like these four or five cups and they got a ball in the cup and they start moving around real quick and you got to guess. How awesome would it be if they said you can win $100 and all you got to do is guess the right one. They move it all around and they go, it's this one. And you open it up and go, oh, there it is. Yeah. But how many know that ain't how the game played? So the enemy's not going to tell you the right one to pick. So you got to get your emotions out of it. And you got to serve the Lord so the Lord can direct you. And the Lord always directs you in the right path. Amen? Amen. Listen, there's one scripture I want to make sure I get to. I want you to go to Habakkuk. And Raph, you might have to skip down. Uh, I want you to go to Habakkuk 317. Because this is one of my favorite scriptures. Habakkuk 317. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It, because if you think about it, it's all about managing your emotions. Here's what it says. It says, although the fig tree shall not blossom. My God. Neither shall there be fruit in the vines. The labor of the olives shall fail. I mean, all the work they did to bring those olives into harvest shall fail. It says, and the field shall yield no meat. All the flock did. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stall. Right, right there. Hold on. That don't sound good. <laughs> if you're a farmer... <laughs> See, y'all like, I don't know about no figs or olives. I just eat something else. Okay. But if you're a farmer and your fig trees don't blossom, if you're a farmer and there is no fruit on the vines, if you're a farmer and all your work went to naught to bring those olives into harvest and the fields don't yield no meat, the flocks get cut off from the fold. That means people stealing and you losing all your, your cattle and there should be no herds in the stall. There's, there's no new birth coming for the next season. That's a pretty dim situation. But look at verse 18. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. As I close, here's what I want to tell you. 
I don't care how bad it is. I don't care who you lost or what you lost. I don't care what's been done to you. I don't care who's doing it to you. What I'm telling you is that you can make the conscious decision that none of that stuff matters. That today you can decide this is what I'm going through. I'm not saying it's not happening. I'm not acting like it's not real. I'm saying yet. Yet will I rejoice. In the God of my salvation. I'm alive and I'm in this place. I got the movement of my limbs. I got sight. I got vision. I can hear and therefore I can live tomorrow. And as long as I got breath in my lungs, as long as my heart is beating, I'm going to give God praise for everything I have right now. And then that decision becomes a decision that the enemy can't take away from you. He keep throwing stuff at 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 you. And if you keep praising God, eventually he'll, he'll quit throwing stuff at you. He's only throwing stuff at you because it sticks. You better preach now. What do you mean, Pastor? The Bible says men are drawn away. I tell people all the time because it's, 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 it's a good illustration so I, I use it and it's, but you'll, you'll get the point. The enemy will throw anything at you but he only repeatedly throws at you with sticks. Everybody in here has a preference of something. If I'm fasting he don't ever say to me you should eat you some Brussels sprouts. I have never once in my life ever heard the enemy tell me that. You know why? Because if I'm my hungriest, I'm probably not going to eat no Brussels sprouts. <laughs> now, for somebody else, that may be your thing. Right. And he may say to you, but, but understand, he'll throw anything at you. Yeah. I was driving my car. See, I try to help y'all because y'all, yeah. yeah. I was driving my car the other day. Me and Kayla was in the car. And I was driving. And there was a lady walking down the street. And the devil said, you should run her over. <laughs> First of all, first of all, I w I'm allergic to jail. Okay, I'm allergic. I'm allergic. I start scratching and stuff. I'm allergic. Second of all, I wouldn't harm somebody, but it didn't stop him from saying it. And the problem with some of you is that just because he says it doesn't mean you have to receive it. You should go out with him. That's the devil. Just because he said it don't mean you got to do it. The Lord says tithe. But don't, don't, don't tithe this week. Just because you said it don't mean you got to do it. Amen. Pray for them. They looked at me funny. I ain't praying for them. Just, just, just because the enemy says something to you doesn't mean you have to respond. But understand, no matter how many times you defeat him, he's always going to show back up. So it's not this one thing you do one time and now you have arrived. You have to be diligent. That's what the Bible says. You got to crucify your flesh not weekly or monthly or bi-weekly or bi-monthly or yearly or quarterly biannual <laughs> like every 10 years no you gotta crucify your flesh every day because every day that thing wants to rise up and take control now watch this let's say you lose the battle well just cause you lose the battle don't mean you give up the war so I, I, so I respond to my emotions negatively I don't make the right response I don't just spend the rest of the day going, well, I messed up one time. I'm going to let everybody have it. You, no, you go, you know what? I missed that. I repent. Because the word repent doesn't mean to be, the word repent just means to change direction. So repent doesn't have to be, oh, my Father God, in the name of Jesus, I'm so sorry that I messed up. God, please forgive me. Just don't do it no more. Just stop. Just turn. And if you do that, I'm telling you, day after day after day, you will get better at managing your emotions. When little kids start to walk, the first time they start to walk, they be stumbling around. They be teetering around, take two or three steps, drop it to the ground. But you know, after a while, they kind of get a hang of it. And then not only are they walking straight, they kind of start to go a little faster. They get a little older, they start to run. Next thing you know, they jumping off of stuff. It's a progression. If you live for God, your emotions will do the same thing. Maybe you teeter-totter around on them at first. Maybe you fall down every now and then. 
But if every time I saw Brian, he was falling down, I'd take him to the doctor. He a grown man. He been walking for um, 10 years. What? I'm, no, I'm going to let you preach that next week. <laughs> you ain't going to get me. Uh -uh. But, 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 but think about that. If you just think about that in the sense that, you know, when we have babes in Christ, we give them some grace. But we, we, we probably ain't giving a bunch of 40-year-olds who still crawl on the ground a bunch of grace. We like, now what's wrong? You know, you got something wrong? Because if something wrong, then we, you know, you, no, I just ain't learned to walk. Bruh. You 40. And that's how we would look at them. We're like, what? Well, the same thing is true if you've been in the church for a while and you're still not managing your emotions. We're like, hey, at some point, when are you going to start managing your emotions? We don't get, when are you going to stop getting mad because every usher didn't speak to you this morning? When, when are you going to stop getting mad because you didn't get to lead a song? When, when, when are you going to stop getting mad because you showed up late and somebody is sitting in your seat that they didn't know was yours? <laughs> At some point, we got to grow up. And as we grow up, controlling our emotions become more fluid. Amen? Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor. Say, I will not be a baby when it comes to managing my emotions. Amen.